story is told of two brothers. One was the biological child and one was adopted. And they were having a fight one day. And the biological son said, well, you were adopted. And the adopted son, well, you know what that means, right? And the biological son looks at him for a second and says, what, what do you mean? He says, what that means is that out of all the children in all the world, mom and dad picked me. They got stuck with you. That's a funny little story that we can tell, but it does paint a picture as Christians. Because as Christians, we are adopted or chosen by God. Not in the same way that some people in the world like to claim that we were plucked out of the world or handpicked by God from the foundation of the world in that sense, but we are a chosen people, and that's not a shameful thing to say. It's not a shameful thing to look at what we have in the Scriptures and say that God picked His people. And that's what we're going to be considering this morning. We're going to be discussing this idea of we are a chosen people. Our text will be starting in Ephesians chapter 1. That's Ephesians chapter 1. Here, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he begins off with a very interesting thought, which was, this was part of our scripture reading this morning. But starting in verse 1, he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. So here he begins off, and what we're going to notice is our first point is who has been chosen? If God has a chosen people, the first thing we have to answer is who are these chosen people? Who did God look down and say, these are my people? Well, first of all, we have to acknowledge who the audience was in Ephesians chapter 1. Who is Paul writing to? He says, to the saints who are in Ephesus. Now, that just means the church in Ephesus, right? (laughs) Those are the only ones that God handpicked. No. It's to all those who name the name of Christ. All of those who are members of His church. Those who are saints. You see, Paul did not just change this audience to include every single human being. It's not about that God looked down and said, all people are now mine. Because that goes against God's character. Obviously, God wants all men to be saved. Yes, we understand that fact, but He cannot save all because some will not follow what he has said. They will not follow after him, and therefore he cannot save. He cannot save. See, it's not an abnormal thing for God to have chosen people in the past. He had this. The children of Israel were a good example of this. But we know throughout the Scriptures that there are some who are going to reject the will of God. There are some who are going to say, no, I'm not going to follow after you. And the scary thing is that sometimes it's people who think they are. In Matthew chapter 7, starting verse 21, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Verses 22 and 23 tells us a little bit more of that fact. He said, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name do many wonderful works? And then what does he say, verse 23? I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. The scary thing about that passage is it is people who are claiming to follow after God, claiming to do what He has to say, 
but they were doing it wrong. They were following after the wrong path. I'm reminded of Paul, what he said about himself. He said, I did all things in good conscience. When he was Saul, what was he doing? He was persecuting the church because in his own mind, what were they? They were a corruption of the actual word of God. They were following after a way that had rejected him in his mind. But after he found the truth, what did he do? He turned around. He said, no, I'm not following after that path anymore. And he went from the persecutor to the persecuted. He changed his life. So these people are chosen. They are called out of the world. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6, God described the children of Israel as a chosen people. He said, these are the people through which the Christ is going to come, through which the Savior is going to come. This was the promise he made to Abraham back in the book of Genesis. He said, this is what was going to happen. But today, we are the chosen people. We are the ones who are called out. We are the new Israel, not the ones that back in the day. Now all men can come to God. All men can be saved. That was the message of Acts chapter 2. If you would please look at 1 Peter chapter 2 for a second. That's 1 Peter chapter 2. And Peter gives an excellent description of this point. Starting specifically in verse 9, he says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but now are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have mercy. See what he said there? He said, you are a chosen people. You are called out. You are special. Sometimes, especially in Western society, in America specifically, it can sound haughty to say that we are a special people. Because what's the message of the day? Everyone's the same. Everyone's the same. You cannot say anything else. But do we conform to what God says or do we conform to what the world says? Now, that's not to say that people are inferior. There's a difference. All men can come to God. All men can follow after this path. God's not going to bar it from anyone. It doesn't matter your nationality, your skin color, your race, your past life. It doesn't matter. All have the same opportunity to come to Christ, and He will not bar that. He will not prevent that from happening but he cannot save those who refuse to follow him. See, it has to be those who have been set aside, those who are following after him. Notice what he said in verse 10. He says, who once did not have mercy, but now have obtained mercy. At one point, they were alienated. They were left out. They were prevented from this. Why? Their own sins. Their own sins hindered them from being able to do this, from being able to be a part of the Lord's kingdom. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Specifically, starting in verse 1, he says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Are we ashamed of the word saints? Are we ashamed to say that we're saints? You see, the world has hijacked that. 
and claim that this term saints means that you have to be some super Christian. You know, Paul could be a saint and Peter could be a saint, but not me. We have become far more comfortable with calling ourselves sinners than saints. We have become far more comfortable with thinking of ourselves as not good enough rather than thinking I'm faithful to God. Friends, we're not sinners. If we're following after Christ, if we're doing what He has told us to do, we are not sinners. That's what we used to be. That's what we were in the past. That's the entire message of the book of Galatians where Paul is writing to this church in Galatia, these Gentiles that have become Christians. He says, such were some of you. You used to be this. And he listed out all that they used to do in that day. But he says, this is what you used to be. That's not you anymore. That's not you anymore. Because now we have salvation. We have a Savior. We have one who we can go to. We can say that I don't want to live in this world anymore like this. And as we read in 1 John chapter 1, specifically verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we have named the name of Christ, we have been baptized into His kingdom. We have been raised to walk in that newness of life. We are not who we used to be. Not anymore. Now, I can turn from that path. I can say that I don't want to follow after God anymore, and I can go right back into that way of sin. But as long as I'm walking in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth continuously of our sins. The only time God will not be able to forgive you is when you refuse to let Him. When you refuse to do it. When you refuse to say, I'm wrong and I want to make it right. That's how we can be a chosen people. A people called out of the world living a new life in Christ by being one of His saints. But another interesting question that comes to mind is not just who are these chosen people, it's why were we chosen? Why us? Why did God look down throughout the passage of time and see the church that He wanted to save? Why us? Without God choosing us, we would be without hope. Go back to the book of Ephesians for a second. It's Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at the time you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, who once were afar off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You see, this was our condition. Yes, he's specifically talking to these Gentile Christians, but that was our condition as well. At one time, we were not followers of God. We were without Him. And we had to follow after what He has said in order to be a part of this. He says, you used to be alienated from all of this. You used to be separated from all this, but now you are close to God. You're a follower of His. You're a member of His church. But why? Why, after all that we've done, would God allow that to happen? In Genesis chapter 3, we read that man took the most perfect circumstance God has ever given and messed it up. 
turned away from Him, rejected Him. So why would God want to bring those people back? Why would God want that? God offers us this hope of salvation not because of who we are or what we can do, but because of the love He has for you and me. See, in the book of James chapter 1, we read that we were a first fruits of His creatures. James chapter 1 verse 17. God views us as His perfect creation. Genesis chapter 2, the very end, it wasn't until He made man that He looked on everything He made and said it was very good. See, we're not second best. We're not just someone that God has pity on and says, okay, fine, you can be a Christian. You can follow after me. You can be saved. No, He wants that. He seeks that. Because back in Genesis chapter 3, He lost the best of His creation to sin. And from then on, He wants to bring you home. He wants to bring you back. See, due to His sacrifice, this is how we have the hope. We have hope. Again, not through what you and I can do. There's two extremes to this view. There are some who say that you have to do everything perfect, live a perfect life, and then maybe you can get into heaven after some careful consideration. Well, that's not what God said. If we could be perfect on our own merit, why on earth did Jesus die on a cross? There's no need for it. Then there's others on the opposite side of the view that says, you don't have to do anything. There's nothing you have to do. God will take care of absolutely everything. That's also not what He teaches. See, this chosen people are those who follow after the will of God. Those who meet the requirements. Not by a merit-based thing. We talked about in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for the wages, the earnings of sin is death. That's what we can earn. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not that we can live this perfect life and earn our salvation. That's not true. But we can meet the requirements necessary to obtain that gift. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? By following after what he has to say. The things that God tells us to turn away from, we don't willingly go into those things. And when we find ourselves in mistakes and in sins, we turn back. We remove those things by the blood of Christ. We are baptized into Christ like He commanded in 1 Peter 3.21. We live this life that He has set aside. But He gives us mercy. He gives us grace. That's not something we can forget. It's not something we can just say, well... Everyone else gets mercy and grace, and if someone else is struggling, you know, I'm going to feel bad for them, and I really hope that they're, they're going to be okay. And, you know, God forgives those sins, and that's wonderful, but then the second we get home, we think we can't be forgiven because I'm just too bad. That's not what our Lord offered to His people. He didn't offer a life where we have to sit in fear every single day, worrying that, you know what, this is it, I'm done. If I make one more mistake, that's it, He's going to write me off. He wants us to have a relationship with Him where we know when we stumble, when we fall, we can get back up and continue on. So why would He offer this to us? Because He wants to gather all people together. 
He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. He, that's what he wants for all people. That's why he made the way available. But he gave us a choice. He gave us a choice. God is kept, is kept from bringing the world together by our sins. Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2. He says, The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hid his face that he will not hear. Isaiah was telling Israel, Don't think that God is powerless. That's not the point. He says, not that God doesn't have the ability to take care of you. It's not that He doesn't have the ability to forgive you. But your sins have prevented Him from doing such. Why is that? How does that work? 1 John chapter 1. In Him is light and no darkness at all. There is no fellowship between those two things. When you turn on the light... Where does the darkness go? Wherever the light can't reach. When you turn off the light, darkness spreads. Darkness goes wherever light cannot be because those two things are not working together. Darkness is the absence of light. Light is the absence of darkness. So how do we think that God will, for, will allow sin to exist with His people. He wants all men to be a part of His kingdom. That's why He did this. That's why He has a chosen people. He says, if you just do what I need you to do, you can be saved. Some like to say this is a narrow-minded view. That God wants all men to be saved, therefore He will save all people. But friends, is it narrow-minded to say that if a ship is sinking, you need to get in the lifeboat to survive? Is that narrow-minded? Should the men who work on those ships just tell everyone, well, you can get in the boat if you want to, but you know, there's other ways you can be saved. You, you can probably swim the ocean. You can probably do it. It's not narrow-minded because this is a life-or-death scenario. We're simply telling them there is one way and it's out of love for your soul that we tell you. God wants these people to be saved. He wants us to be a part of this chosen people. But ultimately, what does it mean to be chosen? We know who this chosen people is. This is the saints, the church, what God has established on the day of Pentecost. We know why he did this. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He wants us to do this. He loves us and that's what he expects. But what does it mean? Ultimately, it means we are no longer a part of this world. Look at John chapter 15. That's John chapter 15. Specifically, we're going to be looking at verse 19. Actually, let's start with verse 18. He says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. 
Why does it seem like the world is so hostile to the teachings of Christ? Because it is the opposite of everything the world stands for. Everything the world holds to be true, the Bible says no. Because for thousands of years, the world has belonged to sin. And friends, if the church is loved by everybody, we're probably doing something wrong. If we have no enemies, we're probably doing something wrong. You know how I know that? Jesus was nailed to a cross. And if we're living like Him, why do we expect to be treated wonderfully? That's what he just told his disciples in John chapter 15. He said, if they persecute me, they're going to persecute you. Because we're trying to imitate the one they persecuted. We are a separate people. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, he says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into that mold, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You're no longer a part of this mold of the world. You look different. You act different. You think different. And the world's going to take notice. The world is going to notice this. And it may not always be a happy thing. We are to live in this world, but not to be part of it. That's what Jesus prayed to the Father in John chapter 17, verse 15, where he says, I'm not wanting you to take them out of the world, talking about his disciples. He says, but I want you to keep them while they're in it. This is our lifeline. This is our guide. God's word is the way that we move forward. But if we cut ourselves from the source, the world will educate. The world will tell you what it expects of you. And it doesn't tolerate those who reject it. That's what it means partially to be chosen. But it also means we're a part of the Lord's kingdom. See, it might be difficult here on this earth. There might be moments where it's absolutely frustrating. But we're serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're serving the very one who made this world. God is the literal person who can honestly say, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. He has the power. He has the authority. That's who we serve. And when we think about it from that perspective, how scary is someone in Washington? How scary is someone across the ocean? Because God made the ocean with a word. That is the Lord that we serve. And Christ has given all men the ability to be a part of this kingdom as well. Look at 1 Thessalonians, please. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica here, starting in verse 12, he says, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. 
Verse 10 says, You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children. He exhorts them. Paul was encouraging these people to walk worthy of that. Do we realize that God can be proud of us? That God can be happy to say that we're one of His? Think about what He said about Job. What He said about David. Were those men perfect? No. No. David specifically, we have whole chapters designated to what he did wrong. And yet, God called him a man after God's own heart through inspired writings. What about Abraham, father of the faithful, who lied to Pharaoh and to Abimelech and then apparently taught his son to do the same thing? We make mistakes because we're human. But God offers grace and mercy to those who want to follow after Him so that we can be truly called the sons of God. We can truly be a part of that adopted family. The easiest thing in the world to do is to do nothing. That's it. That's the simplest thing in the world to do, just to give up, walk away, go home. But think about what we would actually miss out on. Think about how much we would regret walking away from this. Jesus himself said, No man putting his hand to the plow and turning back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. He wants commitment to the cause. But being a part of this chosen people means we have access to what all the promises that God has given to his people. Every single one, including that mansion that's prepared, including that eternal home. And only those who are following after him can have even access to this. Let's look at the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 10, specifically. Acts chapter 10. Specifically, let's look at verse 43. Let's start at verse 42. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Whoever believes in him. What does that mean? Does that mean just accepting? Yes, God exists. Therefore, we can all be saved. No. If we believe in Him, we believe what He said, and He said quite a few things. If we believe in Him, we believe that He said we have to be baptized for the remission of our sins. If we believe in Him, we believe we have to repent of those past sins. If we believe in Him, we believe that we have to make things right when we sin. And if we follow after that, we have access to that salvation. The only one who will ever send someone to hell is themselves. Because God has put every single roadblock in place that He possibly can to keep you from going there. 
So the only ones who will be there are those who chose to be. Those who said, I'm going to ignore all the signs. I'm going to prevent myself from hearing what God has to say and accepting what He has to say. Friends, there's nothing you or I can do to send anyone to heaven or to hell. But we can give them the choice. We can give them the information they need to make that decision. We're not to continue in our sins. Paul describes, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. There was this idea in the people, well, if I just keep sinning more, then I get more grace than everybody else. He says, God forbid. That's not what we do. If we're imitating after Christ, then we certainly are not going to follow after the things that he's opposed to. We are a part of his kingdom, not ours. Our meeting here today is not for you and me. It's not about what we want, what we think, how we feel. It's what does he want? How does he feel? Yes, we find encouragement in all these things, and that's wonderful. That's exciting. It's encouraging to be among brethren and to actually have some people who are on the same page with you. But this isn't for you and me. We don't get to call the shots in the Lord's kingdom. We have two elders of this congregation. It's their duty to do what they can to try to shepherd this flock, to encourage all of us to go to heaven, because they, one day they're going to have to give an account of all of us. And how awesome would it be for them to be able to say, all present and accounted for from the Cookville Church of Christ? But they're not the masters. They don't call the shots. God's Word does. And I can assure you both of them would agree with me on that. It's God's Word that we follow after. And if we put Him first and not me, imagine how much more unified we can be. We're following after the same king, same rule, same book. Hey, opinions don't matter. <laughs> That's an exciting thing. We can be a part of this chosen people. And this being chosen is definitely a privilege. But do we see it as such? We've talked about who God's chosen people are. We've talked about why we're chosen. And we've talked about what that means. Can you honestly answer and say this morning that that's you? That you can look at all of us and at God and say, yes, I am one of God's chosen people. And no, that's not a proud thing to do. That's merely accepting the privilege that it is. Is that you this morning? Maybe it's not. Maybe you've not yet done this. You've never become a member of the Lord's church. You're not yet one of His chosen people. As we discussed, He made the path available. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, and so He laid out His plan for us. So how do we do that? Well, first we have to hear the Word. How can we know what to do if we don't actually hear it? We don't read what He has to say. According to Romans 10, 17, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And based upon what we read, what we hear, what we know, we believe it to be true. John 8, 24. I said, therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And based upon that belief, that acceptance, that understanding, this is true, we're willing to repent of all of our past sins. 
Acts 17.30, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This is what we were talking about earlier. There was the time when we were separate from God. But now I'm changing my thought process. My thought process now is not what I want to do or what I think. It's I'm going to follow what He says in Him alone. And based upon that repentance, I'm willing to publicly acknowledge who God is. That yes, He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Romans 10.10 For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And that's more than just saying, yes, I believe God to be exactly who He said He was. It's also a commitment. I believe that, therefore I'm going to act like it. I'm going to be committed to what He has to say. And based upon that confession, you can be baptized into Christ. Bearing in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life, not having to have that guilt, that shame, that fear holding you back and holding you down. So where I can actually look at God and say, I'm a saint, not a sinner. I don't follow after the world, I follow after you. But maybe you've done all those things. Maybe at one time you were a chosen person. You heard the word of God, you did everything that was necessary and you followed after it, but maybe you've stopped. Maybe instead of actually following after what God has to say, you chose that your own way was better. He wants you to come home. He wants you to make that right. He wants you to bring you out or wants to bring you out of that world again. According to as we talked about in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He is faithful. He is just to forgive us all of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness under what condition? When we confess them. When I say I'm wrong and I'm willing to make it right. But oftentimes with this, these invitations, we tend to think that the only thing we can do here is make sins right. But this is an opportunity for more than just that. See, as Christians, we are called to, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is also an opportunity just for prayers. If you just need help with some struggles you're going through, that's what this is for as well. So if you have any need this morning, anything that's holding you back this morning, let's take care of it together as together we stand and as we sing.